Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Apparently the folks who are not also in the pews with you are just grieving the Ohio State loss, uh, just like many of us. Oh man, that was rough. Okay, well, we are in the right place for the medicine our hearts need. It is the new year. It is the new year. It's hard to believe it's the first Sunday of Advent, isn't it? It's just mind-blowing, kind of, that we're already here, but we are here nonetheless. And every year, every year on the first Sunday of Advent, I always feel the same thing in some ways. I feel the same sort of sentiment in my own heart. There's an awkwardness, sort of, a frustration, sort of. I kind of, I don't have a name for it, but that's what I feel when we come to this Sunday, right? Because we get to this time of year, right? We're through Thanksgiving. We are looking ahead to Christmas. We get to this time of year, and the entire culture wants to make these next weeks, what we're in right now, all about Christmas, right? That's where we are. You go to the stores, department stores. I mean, they've been playing Christmas music since, like, thanks, uh, since Halloween, it seems like, right? It seems like it gets earlier and earlier, but you get to this time of year, first Sunday Advent, there's this thing in our hearts that says, I want, a, I want a nice retrospective. I want to look back to that first Christmas, right? Like, I want to come to Mass on the first Sunday of Advent. I want to think about the baby Jesus. I want to talk about the Magi. I want to talk about the shepherds. And the church says, no, we're talking about the second coming of Christ, baby, which is not what you expect, right? Every first Sunday of Advent begins with this jarring look to the future, right? The dissolution of all things, right? In this section of Matthew's gospel, that's what we're hearing. That's what we're hearing. We're not hearing Mariah Carey. We're not hearing Michael Bublé Christmas. We're hearing Jesus talking about the days of Noah. We're hearing Jesus talk about how things will come to a close. And we need this. We need this so much. We need this preparatory season. The church, in her wisdom, gives us these great preparatory seasons before the two polar, pivotal experiences of the Paschal Mystery, of the incarnation of the Paschal Mystery. We need Advent to properly prepare for Christmas, just like we need Lent to properly prepare for Easter, right? In order to feast well, you have to fast well. That's why the church in her wisdom gives us these days. So the church is being a good mother, and she's not simply giving us what we want. She's giving us what we need, which is a wake-up call. That's what we hear in these scriptures. Wake up is what the Lord is trying to communicate in these scriptures. St. Paul saying, wake up. Jesus in the gospel, wake up. This gospel we have from the 24th chapter of Matthew's gospel. By the way, we're in year A now for the Sunday reading, cycle A. We're going to hear almost predominantly exclusively from Matthew's gospel. So it wouldn't be a bad thing, like I challenged you last year, to just read all of Matthew's gospel. Just get through it. Just be familiar with the layout. What's coming? What parables are in this gospel? What scenes? What miracles? All those sorts of things, because that's what we're going to hear over the next year. So this section of Matthew's gospel, it's the great tribulation. It's what Jesus is talking about, the end of the age and the second coming of the Son of Man, right? And he says, of that day, he says, of that day, nobody knows the day or the hour. Not the angels, neither the Son. Not he himself. He doesn't even know the day or the hour. Only the Father knows the day or the hour. And he says this. He adds this. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
Okay, we need to press into this a little bit further if we're going to understand the image, right? What was going on in the days of Noah? If we don't know what was going on in the days of Noah, we're not going to make sense of this comparison. So, all right, God gives Noah the commission. We're back in the book of Genesis. God gives Noah the commission, build the ark. Why? Because humanity had become quite depraved after the fall. and God wanted to preserve a little microcosm of his good order, a little microcosm of creation. That's what the ark was. It was like a floating Eden, right, filled with animals, filled with the the vegetative life, filled with human life, all on board the ark, right? So God wanted to preserve a little microcosm of his creation upon the ark. And do you recall, according to the scripture, do you recall how long it took Noah to build the ark? 120 years. They lived very long back then, apparently. Okay, so 120 years. All right, we're going to leave aside how did that work for another homily for another day. Okay. 120 years. The people surrounding Noah and his family had 120 years to prepare. They had 120 years to, as St. Paul says, cast off deeds of darkness, repent, convert. They had 120 years, but they refused. Right? Just like we hear at the beginning of John's gospel, the light comes into the world, but we human beings, we sinners, we prefer the darkness. Right? They preferred the darkness. It seemed as though... Noah was insane. There he was, working away on the big boat. Every day he'd get up, work on the big boat. Everyone thought, that guy is nuts. What is he doing, working on the big boat? 120 years go by. Nothing seems to be happening. They're eating, drinking, carrying on normal life. They get lulled into thinking that the great reckoning isn't coming. We heard you say, Moses, there's going to be a great flood. I don't see any clouds, right? 120 years, building the big boat. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. We too, like them, like the people of Noah's day, we're living in this graced period. This graced period. Not only the graced period that, that's between Christ's resurrection and his second coming, certainly that's where we're living, Right? It's a lot more than 120 years. We're looking at 2,000-ish years at this point, right? The grace period of, is he really coming back? Yeah, he's really coming back. So we've got that grace period, but even our own lives, our mortal lives, is this, it's also a graced period. Like we wake up, maybe we're not building the big boat, but we're waking up, get your coffee, go to work, do the thing, come home, have some dinner, go to bed, wake up, get some coffee, go to work, do the thing, come home, go to bed. Like we get on the hamster wheel of life, so to speak, right? And we get lulled into this thinking of, well, I don't know, that just, I know I'm not going to live forever, but it sure seems in some ways like I am. We get lulled into the dream. It's the point of St. Paul saying, awake. It's the point of Jesus saying, wake up. We get lulled into this dream of thinking that things are just going to continue indefinitely, that we got like a ellipses, a dot, dot, dot at the end of our life. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. And we all know that. But in many ways, we don't know that. That's one of the amazing privileges of, of being a priest. You spend a lot of time with people at the extremes of life. People at the very beginning of life, little babies, and people at the very end of life. Spending time with the dying. I was with a woman just last week. Very, very, very ill. I got called to the hospital. Her husband was there praying the rosary with her. 
She was unconscious. He was praying. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And like those moments, very soon we're going to be the same moment, now and at the hour of our death, at the hour of her death, right? The invitation for us, this first Sunday of Advent, it's the same that Jesus was telling, telling the, the people that he was preaching to. Cast off the deeds of darkness is what he's saying. Advent is meant to be a season of penitence. It's a season of preparation. It's a penitential season. It's why, just like in Lent, we wear violet. It's the, sea, it's the color of penitence. Right? It's the time to convert. Right? Just like Lent begins with repent and believe in the gospel, Advent begins with wake up. Wake up. Cast off the deeds of darkness. That's why Advent begins this way, like this bell in the night, wake up from this illusion. So the question for us is, as we commence Advent is, like, how are we supposed to respond, right? How, are we, how ought we prepare? How ought we prepare? How ought we enter into these days? Well, you, how you prepare depends a lot on what you're preparing for. How you prepare depends a lot on what you're preparing for. So, like, if we're preparing for, if we're spending these days preparing for a single day of gift-giving and family get-together and food and festivities and drink and people coming together and holiday movies and ugly Christmas sweaters, if that's what we're preparing for, that's going to very drastically color how we prepare in these days, how we prepare. In a word, we're going to prepare by ignoring our interiority. It will be a very exterior preparation. If, however, though, we're preparing to celebrate the fact that love himself has come in the flesh, that mercy himself has stormed the beaches of creation to save you and me, if we're preparing for that, if we're preparing for a savior, then we're going to prepare very differently. And I guess the question is, like, like what do you need right now, like this year, more than anything? Do you need a day of festivities, a day of gift-giving, a day of family get-togethers, a day of blinking lights and Christmas movies, or do you need a Savior? Like, I need a Savior. More, right now, more than any, any other time in my life, I'm very aware of how much I need a Savior. We'll spend these days very differently if that's the focus of what we're preparing for. We'll get ready for the thief differently. That's what Jesus says. That's the image he gives us. It's a pretty odd image, a thief coming in the night. Now, I don't know exactly what the Lord had in mind when he used this image. Because, of course, right, the imagery of a thief, it evokes all sorts of fear in the heart, right? And I know that's not what the Lord means. Because the way you prepare for a thief, <laughs> you lock everything up, right? If you hear that there's been break-ins in the neighborhood, you're going to be a little bit extra careful about locking your doors at night, locking your car, locking windows. You prepare for a thief by bolting everything, keeping him out. But Jesus isn't that kind of thief. He's not an ordinary thief. He's not the kind of thief that we have to keep at bay. When Therese of Lisieux was dying, she kept referring to Jesus as the thief. She goes, I, would, I can hear him at the door. He's the thief of mercy. He's the thief of mercy. 
He's the thief who we hear at every single Mass. He has indeed come to take something. It's not our wallets, it's not our watches, it's not our computers. He's come to take, we hear at every single Mass, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. That's what he's come to take. So how do you prepare for the coming of the thief of mercy? You open up everything. You unlock everything. You make it as easy as possible for him to reach you, for him to have access to you. You go interior. You take time in silence. You spill out all the junk on the floor of the house. The thief of mercy is coming. And as St. Paul says, let us cast off deeds of darkness. We want to open our hearts we want to run to meet this thief, like we hear in that, the collect of this Mass. Let us run out to meet him with righteous deeds that is coming. The thief of mercy is coming to steal our hearts in his goodness, in his littleness, in his kindness. So in this Mass, brothers and sisters, as we start this great season, this preparatory season of Advent, let's not just be in the motions. Let's enter in for a few moments of silence opening our hearts, unbolting those places that we typically keep Jesus out of. Because that's what he wants. That's what the thief desires more than anything. It's our hearts. Amen.